Um, I'm Alison Crogan, and uh, welcome. And um, I'm going to be interrogating Brian about what oh, he thought you. he was doing um, after that wonderful performance. And um, I'm also let you know that this is being recorded. So I'll be, if you're asking questions, I'll be repeating them. Not because none of you have heard it, but for the sake of the recording. Anyway, the first thing I'd like to say, Brian, is that I know all your work is... It always strikes me as having a look inside your brain. Yeah. And, <laughs> which is, and it often seems like this very kind of oblique and particular vision mm. of a, a particular angle on work. But there's something about this particular piece that feels personal. Is that impertinent of me? No, no. It, it feels very personal. No, it is. It, it is personal. Um, and not just because I'm a sort of character in it, because I've, I've kind of been characters in other things I've made. Yeah. But, but it is. Um, and uh, I think that's because it um, grew out of this fellowship that I did. In, um, right. I got an Australia Council Fellowship in 2011. And um, that was uh, a kind of, you know, my attempt to kind of uh, to make, make things again, because I'd sort of stopped, yeah. really. Didn't you have uh, a ridiculous number of projects? Like yes, uh, 25, uh, 25. Well, I originally was going to have um, 70. Yes. That was the plan. <laughs> um, 35 um, collaborations with people that I knew right. and that I'd worked with in the past, and then 35 other ones uh, with people that I didn't know. Um, but I admired, you know. And, um, but I didn't do any of the 35 that I admired because I did write one letter to Yoko Ono but never got a reply. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but I, and, I and, and that was a bit dispiriting and I, I gave up. <laughs> but I didn't give up with all the, um, with all the other people, uh, the people that I worked with. And I didn't actually manage to get to work with all of the 35 that were on the list but I got to work with 25, um, which is not bad. That's not bad, it was yeah. over two years. Well, actually, it was ended it? up being over four because it oh, okay. um, kept on being interrupted um, by other things. And um, it, uh, and the Arts Council were very nice. They said, OK, you can extend it. And then they said, you could send it again. Then they said, you could extend it again. And then they say, but this time, you can't extend it anymore. <laughs> and so I stopped. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would, I would have done all 35. Yeah. So, so this show more or less came out of those mm. projects. Yes, not not um, by design. No, because all of the all of the collaborations were um, completely open ended, and they there was no. Um, so we just start off at the beginning of the week. We do a week each, and we just start off talking, and we'd probably we'd kind of talk for two days, and then usually ended up doing stuff. Right. in the next three days. Um, but sometimes we didn't. We, sometimes we just carried on talking. And, um, and they were all very different from each other. But there were some themes that kind of grew, became kind of um, recurrent. And, um, and, and Pinto was one of them, because I've just always loved him. And um, also um, 
Well, yeah, Ted Hughes mm -hmm. was also there. Um, kept on coming up. And Misery kept on coming misery. up all the time. And <laughs> Family, you know, okay. that one's Family. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And in, I mean, in, in this particular show, it's it's a famous person and then the much less famous sibling. Yeah, or, yes. Or was, it, was there a reason for that? Or that no, just that, that just like happened. Like a symmetry that happened. That just happened. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I sort of, I sort of ended up, I, I ended up with little bits of writing, which had all had different genesis, mm -hmm. and and then I, I, I don't know really what. And then I, I just looked. I just, you know, I had this folder with all these. You know, I just, I write by hand on bits of A4, mm -hmm. and I just sort of. Put, it, put them together and I thought, well, you know, you could actually make a show with this. Okay. And, um, and so then I, you know, went back to the beginning and wrote the beginning and, right. and then, and slotted those things in. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the thing about it, the way you speak about it is like there's all these different mm. bits. Literally, do you write on bits of paper and not yeah. notebooks? Sometimes in notebooks, but, but usually, paper. usually bits of paper. Okay. Crazy, yeah, because it, I do lose them, yeah. and that is, <laughs> right. that is ghastly. That's the worst thing. And the worst, the worst thing was that I lost, you know, Edmund's dirty speech. Um, <laughs> that was awful because um, I wrote that one day in my shed, and and um, I thought, God, what have I done? Uh, and I, so I hid it. I hid it under all these other bits of paper <laughs> so that nobody would accidentally go in because occasionally people go in what, what's he been doing in there and um, so, but then uh, when I looked for it again about a year later I couldn't find it so I, I must have thrown it out oh, with, with, okay. all, with all the other bits of paper um, when I was clearing up and I thought oh god what am I going to do because I, I, I could never write that again it was so shocking um, <laughs> But then I was getting, to, I was going to do um, the uh, an, an, um, another development with Peter Evans, who was right. the director, and um, I thought I want to put, I want to have that bit. So I, I forced myself to to rewrite it. To rewrite it. Was it more filthy or less filthy? I don't know. I you can't remember. Know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how did you? I mean, given that given that you had all these disparate things that were, were from different thoughts. Um, mm. how, did, how did you bring it all together into a show that it seems, mm. you know, incredibly unified and coherent, actually? Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Or did to me. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, well, just by doing what I always do, which is, um, you know, starting at the beginning and, and yeah. um, by, you know, and just writing stuff and... Then realizing that some bits might slip in there, you know, mm -hmm. and other bits might slip in there, and yeah, and so the thing just grows. I mean, it come. Um, this is unusual. This piece for me, very unusual, because mostly, usually, or when I make work, it 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 um, is instigated by a design idea. Yeah. Um, but this one wasn't at all. You wrote this first. Yeah. 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 So the design starts. With your other work, and then then you write it. Yeah, is that what yeah. Usually, yeah. In, in, okay. usually the building. Actually, I mean, like 
um, with antechamber and with and with um, Picasso 19, 19, I built the sets before. I, I had bits of writing, but very, very fragmented. Oh. And then I built the set and then um, start to think about what words might go in that in set. The, in that set? Yeah, yeah. But this so one hasn't got a set. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I couldn't do but that. But you did have a costume. Yes, but the costume came quite late. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember how the idea of the costume came, but I just, you know, I've got a drawing in my notebook, um, and that's pretty much what it is. Right. Mm. Because mm. Um, I, I'm sort of wondering whether, because it began with writing, yeah. that, that gives it that intimate sense. Oh, of maybe. I, maybe. I, yeah. 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 But, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, it's pretty much sort of automatic writing. You know, it's pretty much, you know, stream of consciousness. It's yeah. not up to a point, I'd say. Up to a point. I mean, it's obviously been very worked over. Yeah. The time it, it's. It has yeah. been. Yeah. And, but it, you know, it hasn't changed much since when you saw it um, about changed a year a bit, ago. Though, hasn't it? I, I bits, saw bits a, have changed. I yeah. saw a, um, but, a work in progress yes. a year ago. Yeah. And it um, hasn't changed a lot, but it has changed yeah. significantly, I thought. Yes, way. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Um, because although there are very, very few new words, yeah. very few, you know, probably about ten. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> really, really very few. Yeah. Um, but you they were very important. Things, Pardon? You've cut things or not much? No, I've cut oh, nothing. Okay. No. You've just really oh no! I've cut a few. I've cut a few of the notes and things like that. But no, no. Yeah, I cut the the fourteenth um, figure was originally Isa Isinger, and I cut him. Okay. But um, and uh, Aaron Orzak was furious that I cut him. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but, um, but very and, and you worked with Susie. Susie. Susie Dizzy, and, so. Yeah, Susie made me cut. Isaac. Um, very bossy. Yeah. <laughs> but she was right. Um, and yeah, but, but the main thing that's changed is that um, Peter and I really, particularly in response to your feelings about um, uh, Frida Hughes being kind of uh, just a, an extra thing, mm. which was kind of... Um, was sort of distorted the whole thing. A few people thought that, yeah. and um, and I just refused to accept that because <laughs> I because I wanted Frida yes. to be there, and yeah. um, she was the kind of the more kind of the most important character for me. And she was the kind of she was you know we uh, working with Peter when I done did my week with Peter Evans, we. We worked a lot with on Ted Hughes and Sylvia Plath, yes. and we we in fact exclusively on them, and we were uh, we got really really fascinated with the biographical stuff, you know, mm. and uh, but we we didn't read Janet Malcolm's book until later, okay, um, and um, but we read all the diaries and all the the letters and all this sort of stuff, and we were gr gradually piecing together what happened, you know, all the different you know, the different versions and stuff, and it was just great. And we kind of developed this, um, this idea of this uh, American professor who thought he was Sylvia Plath, <laughs> and we wanted to make a show about him. 
and, um, and I had a big beard at that time. And, um, and, we, and Peter got me to, um, to recite uh, Sylvia's poems um, in this, this character. And um, that's what we wanted to do. Right. We wanted to make this show. And it would have been really good. But, um, but we, we realised we couldn't because, you know, the copyright yes. thing would be impossible. And, you know, because um, they're so, you know, the views in the Strath Estates are absolutely, you know, yes. draconian. But, but we, so, so they kind of lingered around, you know, even though these other ideas came on. So I didn't okay. want them to go yes. away completely. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know if you think that... So what we did in that uh, week, um, about, um, well, it was about four days, actually, uh, about, um, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, was that Peter and I kind of looked at it dramaturgically and tried to work out how we could make Frida not seem like an add-on. Mm, and yes. to and so just by putting tiny little things in, yeah. tiny little references yeah. um, to Ted and Sylvia, and I think primarily by having the bread and the milk, uh, that 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 suddenly it, it sort of all makes sense. But you know, I don't know if anybody else thinks that. Or not. I didn't pick up on the bread and milk. I didn't didn't know. you? No. Oh, I thought you would. No. <laughs> did anybody? I could be very thick. Yeah, did anybody? No. No. See, ah. but it meant something to you. Yes. So okay. All right. Okay. And I was sure it was treacle pudding when you walked in. Oh, did you? Was it bread? It's yeah. bread. Yeah. yeah. It's not bread, so yeah. sweet to me. Yeah, there's a bit too much sugar in that. <laughs> yeah. And are you cooking it out the back? No, it's in here. It's a. I've got a bread maker. So it's oh, a, okay. Yeah, it's under Haley's chair. I don't know, sorry, I don't know why I went there. Mm. But, um, mm. but I, I, I suppose in all these kind of, you know, like William Shakespeare and his mm. brother and mm. Harold Pinter and Ted Hughes and Sylvia mm. Plath, I mean, what, what made you sort of latch on to these very famous figures and, yeah. and want to ima imagine them? Um, I mean, it's the best imitation of Harold Pinter. I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> he came out good tonight. Some, last he night was, was very, awful. Very yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, now that was a surprise. I wrote it before I realised I could do it. You know, oh, okay. and then I found, oh, 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 that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I was so surprised. And that's. I think it's actually because he sounds almost exactly like my uncle Alec, and um, <laughs> you know, and you know, very similar backgrounds. You know, they're yeah. both. Um, these ten boys and and um, yeah so uh, um, yes anyway well, yeah well they chose themselves really uh, you know I've, I've always I've always loved Pinter I've always loved Ted Hughes and I've always loved Shakespeare and you know I you know if I'm going to make a show about writers yes. they're going to be the ones yeah. but then there's um, like Daniel Daniel so yes sad yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I, you know, I, found, I read about him and um, I don't remember exactly how. I just saw his photograph on the internet. And um, I was just, you know, he just, I just thought, well, this is, this is one of the most interesting people in the world. Mm. And, um, and I just wanted to, uh, because he does look like that. He, you know, he, 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 
he looks he's got he's shaved his head and he's got and he's got this paunch and he's got these um, jeans and big big boots and he just sort of and he just looks completely bewildered um, but and then he and he really is a genuine recluse he doesn't talk to anybody so did you ever have any I mean there's points when you watch it or when I was watching it where where you have real points of discomfort mm. in the, in your kind of channeling of people particularly those who are alive yes and did you ever have moments when you were making it where you felt discomfort mm. or um, something strange about that yeah and I do and I do and I, mean, I do it's, now. it's sort of in the in the what acting is too I mean yeah. I suppose you know, they, yeah. when it becomes quite raw with a, a, we accept it because it's fictional figures. Yeah, or, yeah. And, and we know that fiction. So when, you, yeah. when you, you yeah. you're telling us they're yeah. real, mm. what, what does that feel like? Like, um, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words. Yeah. It just, but it seems, it seems important that they're real. Um, and and I suppose, it, but it doesn't seem that new to me because, as I say in my previous work, I, I have dealt with real people, um, but they have been dead. Yeah, that's right. Um, they have been dead, and the fact that they're alive is it is important. I I don't know. Um, I was wondering whether hmm. it's because there's something in acting that is about summoning the dead. Or yes. And then if that's right. If you're summoning living people, I mean, people do do it all the time. I mean, yeah, they do. Television people, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But mm. there's something faintly blasphemous about it. Yeah, it Does is. That make sense? It is blasphemous. Yeah. But and it is. Um, but I think that's what kind of makes it exciting, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's why people do it. That's why you know people make films about Margaret Thatcher mm. or something, because it, there's something thrilling about the idea of pretending to be someone who's also pretending to be them at the yes. same time, you know. Yeah. And is it it's some, kind of taking their power? Yeah, yeah. That's why, you know, that film, um, The Iron Wo Woman, uh, which is not a very good film, but mm. that performance, her performance, Meryl Streep's performance, is so incredible, I think, that mm. just... You know, it's just about my very, very favourite um, film performance of all time. Oh, really? really? Yeah. I seen it. Yeah, I know you've got to see it because it's great. It's really great. And um, so there's something, there's something about that. As you say, it is kind of blasphemous, and there's something about that which, which feels kind of scary and but exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Is it something? Also, like it, when you're performing, you're duplicating yourself. Like you, you were mm. only when you're performing yourself. Yeah. You had 15. Yeah. You're duplicating yourself somehow. Yeah. <laughs> or counterfeiting yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is. It's all a trick. I mean, yeah. all, all of it is. So, yeah. so there's nothing. The fact that they're alive doesn't make it more kind of give it any more very very similitude or anything no, but, no, no, but, no. It, but it but it but it but it is a factor yeah and it mm. sort of speaks to that um or that you know it's a faint uneasiness but yeah. it's an uneasiness you feel yeah and um I, maybe you feel it in all performance to an extent that i do 
I do feel it in all performance. But um, and that was a theme, obviously, of, of, of when I did my fellowship, was that unease. Um, and um, but I I suppose that this is more a show about that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, I mean, be, you know, pretending to be Shakespeare is a little bit more scary than pretending to be Frida Hughes. Yeah. But, um, and I, that was the thing that I was most, um, most worried about. And I thought, oh God, you know, people are going to think, you know, you know, how but, but dare he was do that? that? Was that you know, the thing but, about writing Shakespeare? Yes. Performing yeah, Shakespeare. writing it. Well, writing it and performing it, I yeah. thought, you know, this, that's just ridiculous. You can't do that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I sort of, somehow, and I can't remember how, I ended up with this material, and I thought, well, I've got to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. And look, and when you, when you write these things, mm. how much do you research them? I mean, do mm. you research them as you go or do they come yeah. out of research or I, mean, I research them as I go yeah. um, and not very deeply to yeah. be perfectly honest um, I I do you know I think I think everything I say is true and I, and I do check it um, but after so, you've made it up after I've made it up yeah and usually it you know it pans out right but like something like you know I wrote yeah, as, you know as I admit in the show I wrote the thing about um, about Daniel thinking he would have been seven and but he wasn't yes. um, because I read that story in Michael Billington's biography of Pinter and and I just thought it was great so I so I wrote that thing and I thought how old would he have been how, well he probably was about seven that, that sort of fits in but he wasn't he was older than that but but I I still I still want him to be seven, so, yes, so he's yes. seven in the show. <laughs> yeah, and so there's a lot of stuff like that, which is, but none of the none of the stuff about Edmund is made up. None of it. No. It's all that's all absolutely accurate, and including Shakespeare's funeral. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this Oh, not the oration. <laughs> no, no, that's made oh, that's, up. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I've got this, <laughs> this old <laughs> bit of vellum. No, um, no, um, but um, no, that's all made up. All, everything he says is made up, but all yeah. the facts are true. Yeah. And, um, and I only found out the day before yesterday that um, Pinter's funeral was exactly 401 years after, um, after Edmunds. Because really? he, okay. yeah, he was, he, his funeral was in the afternoon of New Year's Eve of... Um, January the 1st of, um, of um, sorry, of, of New Year's Eve of um, 2008 and, um, and um, Edmunds was 1607 New Year's Eve. It's slightly yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was so, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get the feeling with... Um, and at the same time of the day. Yeah. Mm. Like, um, what I, I would loved about that performance was this sense of a web of mm. your or, the way you use the orrery, right? Of um, a web of connections being made that seem kind of unexpectedly illuminating. Mm. Um, Great. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Unexpected to me too. Um, I. 
I have no idea why. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I suppose I thought, you know, I knew, I know Daniel's writing this opera, um, and he's been writing it for ages, and uh, but nobody knows what it is, and I thought, well, what, it could be, it could mm. be about Edmund, um, and uh, but you know, it just puzzles me. The whole thing about Edmund is the is the biggest puzzle of all, not not the fact of his existence or anything, but mm -hmm. the fact that nobody, nobody talks about him. Mm -hmm. And James Shapiro has just written this book called 1606, which is about the writing of King Lear, right. and Edmund isn't mentioned once. Mm -hmm. Not once. So how did you find that? Oh, it's just a connection you made about Edmund, the bastard son, and Well, it has to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A, you know, I, I just think it's just, it's just, absurd to imagine that he would choose that name at random. Yeah. If you've got a brother called Edmund, um, you, you don't just choose that name unless no. you... Unless you're making you, the villain. You're making the villain, and exactly. really one of the worst villains of all. Yeah. yeah, I know, it's weird. And, you know, there is that phrase in the, um, in the um, parish records for the second Edmund, the, the, the little son that died, um, which does call him a base bastard. Oh. He's registered as a base bastard, and that's that's the phrase that Edmund used about himself in in um, in his first speech, in his first soliloquy. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know I know that, and, and a few commentators say, "Well, it's a coincidence," mm. you know, but I don't see it can be a coincidence. Yeah. You know, just and so I've I've got to talk to some Shakespeare scholar or something, um, and there is one coming tomorrow. So oh, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe she can make it clear she as might, to why she might tell you you've got yeah. everything wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I don't I don't think she can because it, n none of these facts are disputed. No, no, no. no they're not. I mean, hmm. one of the thing about the facts in in the show as opposed to what you do with them. Yeah, and your imagining of them. Mm. Which is so kind of acute and detailed and and particular. Right. Um, there, the, are they the truth too? Uh, well, <laughs> no, they're not. Because they're the important things too. Yeah, but they're not the truth. No. No. Um, they just. But they be. might be. But they might be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, if, is anyone interested in asking Brian? Any questions at this point? Well, there was the milk and bread. I don't think you explained. What okay. okay. Well, um, um, just hang on. I have to. Um, the lady just asked about the milk and the bread. I have oh to yeah. Repeat. yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, the milk and the bread is a reference to um, uh, Sylvia Plath because um, what happened was that she. Um, um, she, she was very, she she was very much a, a baker. You know, she she did make her own bread, and she she was um, she was a good cook, and she and she and she and she did you know write two hours before her death um, to her mother to ask for the joy of cooking, and um, when she, she killed herself, she was in the uh, in the kitchen, and she put uh, a towel. She folded a towel and put it in the 
oven and she sealed the door. But before she did that, she put a plate of bread and butter and a glass of milk in the room next door where her two children were, Frieda and, and Nick, who were then, I think, oh gosh, I've got to get this right now. I think, I think Nick was only about three or four and Frieda was about eight or nine. But I might be wrong, but roughly those ages. And, um, and so she turned the gas on and, you know, she knew that when they woke up in the morning, uh, they would, she hoped that they, I suppose, that they wouldn't be frightened and they, they, because they'd have the milk and the bread and they could, could eat it. And it's one of those, it's one of those little bits of information that once you've heard it, you just cannot, you know, you cannot get rid of. So, um, yeah. That's why. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm just wondering at what point in this whole process of Craig's work did you discover the light in this room? Like, like yeah. in particular to this room, or were you always playing with this idea? Uh, no, uh, no, I just had yeah. to repeat this. Sorry. Yeah, go on, sorry. At what point did you discover the, the light in this room? It was natural light. Yeah. Well, um, how did, sorry, yeah. how did then feedback into the work? Yeah. Um, well, I in making it, I when I was with so in the sort of second phase of making it with Peter, I that happened after I'd been working on Daniel Keane's play, which was uh, called um, Photographs of A, um, with Helen Morse, and we were rehearsing in this room. And, um, and I just love the light in this room. And um, particularly um, after the sun went down and the floodlights came on, which they did, but too late. <laughs> um, and, and so I was always getting Helen to stand over there, you know, so that she could get the light. And, um, and um, but we, and, um, and so, Originally, I, I, well, not originally, but one, one I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I really didn't want to perform it in a theatre. And um, I was, my first idea for performing in Melbourne was at the, um, in the art centre, because um, I find that building such uh, an insane um, bit of architecture. And there's a particular room there which you probably haven't seen because not many people have, because it's such an embarrassment, I think. Um, which is, which is, which is, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I don't know if you've been there. It's, it's got, it's got these um, walls which are made of um, oh, resin, resin, yes, I have. and yeah. embedded in the resin are all kinds of little knickknacks, like sort of sweets or springs or. Just odd little things. Yeah, it looks like lollies. Lolly, lo there are a lo lot of lollies, but there are also little bits of, of um, electrical wiring and all sorts of things. And it's just the most stupid, stupid place. And um, I thought I'd really like to do the show there, you know. Um, but I couldn't because the ceiling's too low and, you know, um, and it would just be too distracting. Um, and then, and so, so I looked around. So, so, so I, I talked to the people at the at the art centre, and I thought there was that space. There was another space which was in front of um, 
one of those lovely paintings they have there you know, by, um, what's his name? Oh, you know. Jeffrey. No, not Jeffrey. Um, not Jeffrey Smith. No, the, the um, Boyd, Arthur Boyd. Um, and I thought that would be quite good, but, but then I thought, no. Nah. Yeah, and then I, and then I, uh, and Harrod, who runs this place, she she saw the development, and I, I told her, look, I'm, I'm I don't think I can do it at the Arts Centre, and she said, well, why don't you do it here? And then so I, so immediately as she said that, I thought, yes, and I can do it in this room, and so I did. <laughs> <laughs> and that was because of the light. Yeah. Yeah. How important is lighting? Uh, quite important, yeah. and um, I always try to avoid um, conventional lighting if I can. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. Um, just because it kind of makes it more special. It makes it more. It makes it feel. It's very like that thing you were talking about about the feeling that you get because you know the person is alive, because you know that that light is not been generated by a lighting designer. It's just there. Mm. It just makes the thing that happens in the space more kind of edgy. I don't know why. But, well, that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think your play deserves a bigger audience, though. And not too many people would even know that you're on in town this week. <laughs> yeah. I think the play deserves a bigger audience. <laughs> what yeah. have you to say there? Um, is, the, is the small audience important? Yeah, it is important, um, but you know, I'm not averse to doing it with a, to a bigger audience. Um, but certainly, as a as a way of starting out, I'd much rather do it with a small audience. Um, my previous solo show, I intended to be for a small audience. I didn't want any more people than, you know, forty or fifty. Yeah, and we got in the Royal Society. I think we got about sixty or seventy, in. Um, and that felt fine. But then, when I took it around to festivals and things, like Leo Schofield made me do it in this huge, great church with hundreds and hundreds of people in it. And it, it, was, it was awful, but, you know, it was okay. I mean, you know, people, people, people thought it was all right, but it just felt wrong, yeah. But I'm not, you know, of course I'll do it. With bigger audience. <laughs> More money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Else? Okay, well, we might yeah. shop there and let you go home. Mm -hmm. So, thank you, Brian. Thank you for a wonderful performance, and thanks, thanks very for much, Alison. Thanks for telling us about it. Mm. Okay. Mm. Good. Mm. What are they doing, those? That's